0: What it means to be trained well is it affects the way you think. So when you go through really good training to be a massage therapist, you go beyond technique. The way you think begins to shape your strategy for using those techniques that you have been taught to help each individual to customize that individual's massage experience with you. So when we look at the art and science, when you go through massage therapy training and your thinking begins to change and you begin to see and think the good in every therapeutic encounter you have, that's an indication that you've had good training.
1: Hello. My name is Jeff Large, and you are listening to Choosing a Massage School. This is a show where I talk with leading massage therapists, some of the best of the best. And we discuss how you can figure out what massage therapy school is right for you. Now who you heard at the top of the show and who I'm chatting with today is Benny Vaughn. Benny is a licensed massage therapist with over 45 years of wisdom and experience in the field. He's also the founder of the very impressive Benny Vaughn Athletic Therapy Center in Fort Worth, Texas. He speaks a lot about the power of healing touch. He talks about some basic things like why we need to have a desk and that's important for both learning and practicing, and also how to secure an education that equips you with the mastery of massage therapy as both an art and a science. His approach to everything from design of his own practice Evaluating Potential Teachers and Mentors offers a roadmap of inspiration for all future
0: practitioners. So eight years ago, I collaborated with some uh, financiers and we built a 10,000 square foot facility to house massage therapy and other wellness practices. So in this 10,000 square foot facility, I facilitated the inclusion of every massage therapist and every professional here. I am the linchpin that makes the building work. We have strength training. We have a sports psychologist. We have a registered dietitian. We have a fully equipped Pilates and gyrotonic studio. We have a licensed acupuncturist. We have three licensed athletic trainers. And everyone here, all 10 of the therapists are also licensed massage therapists. And it is the hands-on therapy that we do. It is the massage therapy that we do that sets us apart from other wellness facilities. And the building that I designed with the architects out of Dallas, Texas, is an incredible building that was designed for massage therapist by a massage therapist, that meaning me. So all the treatment rooms, the equipment, everything is top of the line, high quality, designed to make the experience for the massage therapist, the most supportive. So the massage therapist is able to provide the very best massage experience for our clients.
1: Not only has Benny cultivated a space for a diverse, integrative care team, he carefully designed it with all of the knowledge that he's compiled over the course of his career. And the result, a functional, beautiful, and innovative experience for employees and clients
0: alike. So let me begin first by telling you that the entire 10,000 square foot building is clad in copper. So it is a copper building. The entire building is covered in copper. The roof, the sidings, everything. Now, you might ask yourself, well, why would you do that? Well, besides the fact that copper was very expensive but I had really good financial support, I had the building clad in copper in order to reduce electromagnetic frequency waves that are everywhere from cell phone towers to high tension power lines, just to block that into the building. And we measured the environment outside and then we measured inside. And I decided that we could copper clad the buildings to reduce the EMFs significantly. Consequently, when people come in for massage, they always say, wow, it feels good in this building besides the incredible architectural design, I believe, is because we're blocking electromagnetic frequencies. So
1: I have to jump in. I would imagine they're not able to use their phones as well either, so they're sort of like, <laughs> they need to be present. Is that also true?
0: Yeah, they, they can actually use their phones because there's plenty of cell phone towers around here, and we do have skylights and windows. Mm-hmm. But what it does, though, it reduces that big burst of EMFs that people are often exposed to. Yeah. The second thing that I did that was totally massage therapist friendly is I have a full size laundry room. And when I mean full size, six people can be in there at one time. We have two high capacity washers, two high capacity dryers, folding tables, storage shelves for sheets and towels. So no massage therapist has to take laundry home at the end of the day because I designed it into the building. And actually I will tell you when I'm recruiting massage therapists to work in the facility and I give them the grand tour and I get to the laundry room that typically closes the deal (laughs) when they see like this full size laundry room with washers and dryers right there at the massage therapy facility. So that was by design. The, third thing I did, so we copper clad the building, we put in full size laundry room. The third thing I did is I created a shared office space for the team of massage therapists. So they all have this beautiful shared office space in the center of the building with these 12 foot glass transoms that pick up the light from the 10 skylights that I have running down the hallways. Each massage therapist has a custom made desk. When I say custom made, I, I had carpenters custom make them. They each have a working desk. So they're eight desks. So they all have their own private desk outside of the treatment area to take care of their record keeping and anything else so that the massage therapy room itself is just for the massage therapy experience. They don't have to do office work in there uh, as well. And then lastly, I'll describe each of the treatment rooms. So we have all the treatment rooms are down one hallway. So we have eight in a row with sliding 10 foot doors so that we utilize all of the space. I had the electrical plugs put in the center of the room because I outfitted each room with the electric high-low tables, and I didn't want cords running to wall outlets. So the electricians put center room electrical so we can plug the electrical tables in and the massage therapists don't have to worry about themselves or their clients tripping over cords to electric tables. All the treatment rooms are 144 square feet. That's 12 by 12, plenty of room. Every single massage therapy room has a window and some have two windows. And the ceilings in those rooms are 32 feet at the pitch. So very high ceilings. And the glass doors have privacy screening on them, are very stylistic, very modern looking. And the big piece of the massage therapy rooms that I always said when I was able to design the ultimate massage therapy facility. Every massage therapy room would have a window with some outside light. Because when I began my career, like many massage therapists, I began working in a refurbished closet that the people at the fitness center thought this square footage could earn money for us. So let's put a massage therapist in there. Those days have ended.
1: It's super clear that there's a huge intentionality to you. Not to mention, like you said, the just the years of experience that you had. I mean, it makes for quite the combination, in my opinion. And to sort of kick us off, like with, with that in mind, for our listener who is looking for, what do I even do? How do I even start this journey? Like, what are those things in the very beginning of my journey that I should be considering or even like just whether it'd be a good idea or not for me to become a massage therapist?
0: Yes, absolutely. What I wanna say first is this, massage therapists are an essential part of society. The reason I believe it is an essential part of society, and it has been magnified during this pandemic, human connection is driven by touch. And we have gone through a little over a year now where people have been asked to not touch, to socially distance, and many people have missed that humanness. Touch in my experience is what connects people to their humanness. Massage therapists deliver respectful touch with knowledge and intention that helps people to not only feel better, have less pain and discomfort, but to get in touch with their humanness. And touch is a powerful vehicle. Massage therapists are the best trained to do this, which means your training is critical. So this is a personal service. So if you are someone who wants to get involved in a personal service, profession, massage therapy is one that allows you to make a difference in an individual's life in a powerful way because you're using the most powerful vehicle that we have as humans, and that is respectful touch. Ashley Montague, the famous anthropologist, professor, researcher, wrote a book many, many years ago called Touching. And as an anthropologist, he looked at the social and the biological ramifications of touch. And since then, the Touch Research Institute at the University of Miami Medical School, Duke University, and others have done continued research on the importance of touch to human physiology, to the human immune system, to the mental aspects, the emotional aspects of the human experience. Massage therapists are the caretakers of this. And so, to do really well at that, you must be trained well because a profession is judged by how it trains its professionals. So, if we are going to be the very best at delivering touch, you should have the very best training because touch because massage therapy is both an art form and it is a scientific form. And to put the two together to create a therapeutic experience that supports a person's humanness is even more critical in today's world with the pandemic magnifying just how important it is. Mm
1: -hmm. And,
0: And I would just add that My facility is in the state of Texas. For three months, we were not allowed to work as the country sorted out what COVID was and what could we do to reduce and prevent. But as soon as my team of massage therapists and myself got back to work, we have been completely, fully booked every single day with a waiting list. And we have done it safely, we have done it consistently, and we have demonstrated that it has made a difference for helping people to weather these pandemic times, as well as deal with various types of orthopedic conditions that respond very well, very well to massage therapy. Mm
1: -hmm. Okay. There's a lot to unpack. It sounds like there's definitely this it's a, it's a higher calling almost is what I'm hearing. There's like this this weight to it um, and there's a certain amount of responsibility that comes with considering this trade because you've used the word humanness a few times and I mean that really is at our essence to be connected. And so it sounds like if somebody wants to make a legitimate impact, like it isn't just another job, like this this is a, a choice, um, it, what, it, what I'm hearing is one thing and so that's a big one to keep in mind. And one that I want to focus on is the, the statement that you made, like, we're kind of judged as, as a profession based on how well we train our people. That's really interesting. And you, you alluded to, you said art and science, but can we dig into that a bit? Like, what does it mean to be trained well?
0: Yes. What it means to be trained well is it affects the way you think. So when you go through really good training to be a massage therapist, You go beyond technique. The way you think begins to shape your strategy for using those techniques that you have been taught to help each individual to customize that individual's massage experience with you. So when we look at the art and science, when you go through massage therapy training and you're thinking begins to change and you begin to see and think the good in every therapeutic encounter you have, that's an indication that you've had good training. So it goes beyond simply learning techniques of effleurage or petrosage or neuromuscular therapy or myofascial release or trigger point therapy. And the number of different techniques that you will learn in your massage therapy training. So an important piece of the training is that you are taught and exposed to a wide range of technique models. Not just one, not just two, and not even just three, but many, many models of respectful touch. A good training program exposes you to that, they teach you what it is, and then they teach you the fundamentals that allow you to continue and expand on that if you desire to go in that direction. But your desire to go in that direction is based on what you've been exposed to so that you know it exists. So your thinking begins to change, and the big part of your thinking that changes is that you begin to know and believe that you can help a client, you can help another person through respectful touch. And when you begin to believe and know that you can help them through touch, that's an indication that you've had some good training because it's impacted you beyond simply learning robotic techniques.
1: So to understand what you're talking about of like it's it's kind of hard to evaluate will this school like will school a or school b help me change the way i think better like that's a little more difficult for me to sort of evaluate or put any sort of analytics or numbers or like evidence behind Um, but i'm wondering one of the things that you said was exposure to a lot of different methods is there any other ways like maybe more distilled down or practical ways that I, I could evaluate a school if it's going to help me move in that direction
0: long-term? Absolutely. and And here's what you look for. So let's say that you are a candidate thinking about going to massage therapy school to learn structured touch, to make a difference in people's lives. So what do you look for? So the first thing that you look at is look at the curriculum. What are they teaching? Typically, it can be found on their website. Look at the curriculum. What's covered? Anatomy, physiology, this technique, that technique, and more. The next thing you look at is look at the faculty. Because the faculty, the staff, the teachers, the instructors, these are the individuals who are going to impart this knowledge of technique, and these are the individuals who are going to influence the way you think, because this is brand new for you. You're depending on their leadership and their teaching skills to do that. So you look at the faculty, how long have they been with this program? Six months, six years, 15 years, two days. That tells you a lot about the stability of the program. Look at the faculty, look at how long have they been teaching? How long have they been guiding massage therapy students to success? Number two, look at the bios of the faculty. What have they done in the profession? What have they done outside of the profession? What makes their character as a teacher something that you would be led to follow their guidance. So you look at that. So you might look at the faculty and see, oh gosh, here's a massage therapy teacher who is teaching their part of uh, orthopedic or sports massage. And wow, they have worked at an Olympic games, or they have worked at the Boston marathon, or they have worked at numerous sporting events uh, in our area. They have been uh, the leader of a team of massage therapists providing care for competitive athletes. Perhaps they were themselves a competitive athlete and understand that role in relationship to massage therapy. You look at the people who are teaching the spa versions of massage, respectful touch. They may have been the former director of a well-known spa in the United States or Canada or Europe, or they worked in a spa setting for 10 years before they began teaching. So you look at the bios of the faculty to see what have their professional and life experiences been that are integrated into the teaching of very specific knowledge around massage therapy. And lastly, i still say, when you look at a faculty that has put in many years at the same massage therapy school, the same massage therapy training program, that says a lot about the guidance of that school, that teachers stay, they want to stay because they are having success at a good teaching experience and the student benefits from that when the teacher is having a good experience with that training program.
1: So Benny's insight into identifying a stable institution stems a lot from his own experience. Now you can imagine that a lot has changed since Benny started his massage therapy education, but one thing does remain the same. He says you need to make it a priority to find a teacher who has experience in the field you want to be an expert in and then ask them to mentor you.
0: At the time that I went through massage school in 1974, there weren't many massage therapy schools around the nation and there was not not a pool of massage therapy teachers that were available. So in the early days when I went to massage school, For example, my anatomy and physiology teacher was a PhD in neurobiology science who taught anatomy in the nursing program at a local college. So that professor was recruited to teach that segment. Uh, He was not a massage therapist. He later became because of his interest in it. But the people who taught the massage at that time was only one. And it was the one massage therapist who at that time had 25 years of experience doing massage and consequently he became my mentor and he taught all aspects of the program. Now, when I came out of that program, because of my performance, I was offered an opportunity to apprentice teach. I still had a full-time massage practice, but I was given an opportunity to learn under him how to teach other students. So I was basically an assistant while during the day I did my massage work. And then in the evening, because at that time classes were in the evening for us, I assisted as a a, a teaching assistant. And then once I learned how to do lesson plans and this and that, I began to move more into a teaching role. So that's how I began. But that was in 1974 when we had a very small pool of potential teachers. In 2021, we have a huge pool of potential teachers. Massage therapists who have masters and PhDs in education are now available. And that just wasn't the case in 1974. So so both programs work. I mean, it worked for me, so it can work. I think it can work when that single teacher is someone who has a good many years of experience in the field and has an understanding of imparting that information. So there's always an outlier out there. I, I, I might have been an outlier I don't know I didn't have a at that time I didn't have a degree in education or anything I do now but at that time I did not. But I loved I loved massage therapy and I was so intent on understanding it that it made me a better teacher. Mm-hmm. And so those teachers are still out there. I think we have a larger pool, however, of teachers who have other qualifications to choose from.
1: Yeah, I think that's a valid point that I would love for you to touch on a little bit because what I've heard so far is you've said the importance of kind of like the diversity of the teachers, the accomplishments of the teachers that you're going to have, like these factors. But we didn't until right now talk about actual like educational qualifications, because there are plenty of individuals who might be amazing at a skill or a craft, but that doesn't necessarily mean they know how to teach it to other people. How can we as students maybe validate that portion of it? Like what kind of what kind of telltales should I be looking for to see if not only are these well-trained professionals, but are they also good teachers?
0: I would ask the director of the school, do you have teacher evaluations? Are teacher evaluations done which good teachers want in order to improve their presentation skills? And you have teacher evaluations in a variety of educational forums. I mean, when you do workshops, you're required by the National Certification Board to do an evaluation. So you evaluate the teacher, you evaluate the material. I would ask the director of the school or the admissions officer, do you have any evaluations of your faculty that's been done by students? And typically it's done during the exit interview when students are you know, departing to go into the profession. That could be useful if that's being done. If they're not doing it, I would simply ask, would it be possible to talk with some current students? So if they don't have the evaluations, ask them, would it be okay if I talk with some of the current students about their experience here? To get an idea if the teaching is such where people feel that they are learning.
1: Mm-hmm. The other one that I want to touch base on, not only the, the individuals who are at the schools, but I mean, you've alluded to this really heavily in the beginning, even talking about how much you've done to your own facility to make the environment and the technology very intentional. What should I be expecting from things like the building that I'm in, the, the books that I have access to, the tech that's available to me? Like, What, what are some baseline expectations there?
0: I, I think baseline expectations are one Uh, the learning environment needs to be comfortable. So back in the early days, and and the reason I'm laughing, I'm just being reminded of what I've lived through and survived. So So in, in the early days, I can remember going to massage schools where, and these were highly acclaimed massage therapy schools. They were doing a fantastic job training people, but the students sat on the floor on these devices called backjacks for lectures, I, I just found that stunning. So when I uh, when I began to teach in the uh, mid 70s, I was insistent that the students have tables or desks or something where they could like write and and take notes and sit in a chair that was reasonably comfortable.
1: Can I, can I pause you? Will you describe to me what a back jack is?
0: <laughs> jack, yeah. And and I have to tell you, I just, I detested these things. So, it was a wireframe that was in the shape of a chair back, and it had a, a very thin foam pad that you sat on that just kind of, you know, could fold up. So, it was an L-shaped wireframe that had a piece of thick fabric that was put over the wire frame that created the back. And the lower part of the L sat flat on the floor. So when you sat on the floor and you leaned back on this, it stabilized it because you sat on a foam pad that was attached to it. So there is your stabilization. They were inexpensive. They stacked easily in space. (laughs) And I just, I detested these things. I just thought this is no way a student should have to listen to a lecture and take notes on the floor, on their lap, sitting on a backjack. So, one of the first things when I had my first massage therapy training program, there was a public school auction in Gainesville, Florida, where they were auctioning off equipment and things like this. And I went to it and I bought a truckload of single person desks. And I spent the weekend sanding these desks and varnishing them, making them, and, and I put those in the classroom for the massage students. Cause I just said, I, I want them to have a desk to sit in and a place to store their books. So that's what a backjack is.
1: As this story illustrates, Benny is passionate about cultivating comfortable and engaging learning environments. And when considering your options for school, Benny emphasizes why you should consider both the environment and the tools used to facilitate different learning styles.
0: The other piece of expectation for the learning environment is I think the teacher should utilize all forms of technology as well as static structural teaching tools. So having a skeleton, having muscle models that you can hold up and you can touch and you can feel and you can look at. And then utilizing the incredible anatomy technology that's out there now. You know, these 3D anatomy programs where you can peel off layers and look at things and you can click on uh, a part of it and see what the action is. But utilizing the technology and the static models, to help the student understand the body is is key. I went to a massage school in the eighties to teach a workshop. And when I got there, and this was back in the days uh, of slide projectors, and for those who may be listening that don't know what a slide projector is, and there may be, it was an uh, ancient device that we took photos, they were put into like a little cardboard holder, and you slip them into these slots and you had a clicker and it would advance the slide so you would take pictures mount the pictures and then you would project them and that was state of the art for projecting photographs we didn't have smartphones we didn't have any kind of mobile phones yet and i went to the school to teach and i asked them you know i'm going to need a slide projector because i have a tray of tr- a tray of slides that i have brought with me well we don't have a slide projector and then i noticed they didn't even have a, a chalkboard. And then I noticed, I said, well, so how do you, how do you teach? Like, if you don't have a slide projector, you don't have a chalk. I said, well, maybe a flip chart. Well, we don't have that either. And they said, well, the teachers just, you know, they lecture and they tell them to turn to page 33 or something. Today that teacher should be utilizing all the audio, visual and technology and models that are so readily available to make the learning experience. So you you want to see that. So when you see a classroom, when you are visiting a massage therapy, a potential massage therapy school, is there a skeleton there? Are there muscle charts? Are there, is there AV equipment? And again, talk to the current students and see that every form of accessing learning is being made available to the student. Some are visual, some are kinesthetic, some are a combination of both. Some can just listen. So it's uh, it's important that the school that you look and see, okay, what are they using here?
1: Mm -hmm. Very helpful. We've been talking about a lot of the things that hopefully the schools can offer. Are there any maybe non-negotiables or red flags that we should be aware of and i'm thinking maybe things more in particular that might not be as obvious to a new student as it is somebody who's uh, more veteran like yourself are there any things that we should be watching out for or be leery of
0: i think it's important for the prospective student to find out who that facility who that training program is accredited by and if they have no accreditation i would just wonder out loud why they don't because there are various forms of accreditation that are available so clearly to operate in any state you have to have some sort of license and uh, credential but are they accredited by an educational institution are they a member of any type of school association that supports uh standards of teaching those are things that they can look for is it an accredited program uh and if so who's it accredited by and you know do they have a current license to operate a school in the uh, state where they are and then i would look and all of this is available online now i would look and see online if they are licensed by that particular state look and see if any complaints have been filed against the school. I mean, that's public record. It's a business that's offering a service to the public. So that's fair that they should be transparent. So see if any complaints have been filed against the school by students and see what that was and why it was and and, and really look deep. But I would look at accreditation. I would look at complaints filed with the state, with the the state board of massage. I would look at any complaints that may have been filed uh, with the public commission, uh, you know, these sorts of things. Mm -hmm. All right,
1: also very helpful. So as I wind down here, what are any other final thoughts, things that maybe we didn't have a chance to cover yet that you wanna make sure our listener knows before we're done with this interview?
0: What I want the listener to know is this. If you're thinking of a career in massage therapy, Just know that it is a career that makes a difference in society because it makes a difference in individuals' lives. The reason it makes a difference in individuals' lives is that you will become a vehicle of giving hope to people through touch. So ask yourself, is that something I want to do? Do I want to work with people, help people by being supportive and giving them hope through touch? you will be able to do that because you will have specialized knowledge and specialized knowledge when delivered well makes a huge difference in massage therapy. And then lastly, if this is something that you feel will make a difference in your own life and it will make a difference in you realizing your dreams because uh, you will be paid to do this. And you think about, what what would I love, what would I love to do? And will this be a profession that will allow me to do this? Whether it's travel, whether it's spend more time with your family, because remember this, if you go into private practice and work for yourself, this is as good a entrepreneurial, private practice, solo, proprietor business that you can be in because you set the hours, you set the fees, you set the days and time of the week that you work and you can still make a difference in other people's lives. So ask yourself, will this fulfill my dream for what I want to do? Because here I am in my 46th year now. So when I get to October, that will be the end of 46 years that I have been doing this. And each and every day, I love coming to work. I love coming to work. My first client was at 7.30 this morning, and uh, I will finish at 7.00 PM. And every moment, I love being here. It gives me flexibility. I have mobility, and you make a good living. So... I don't know what else to tell you. That That's that's a pretty good thing to be doing in your life, Wh- whatever you choose to do. Yeah. But massage can do that for you.
1: I love it. Benny, this has been a fantastic conversation.
0: Great. Thank you so much, Jeff. I appreciate you. And, and I appreciate this opportunity to share with those who may be where I was some 46 years ago when yeah. I was thinking about uh, this and I began. I read an article about massage therapy in sports. Is what got me going. I was like, Hmm, this is interesting. So I went and bought a book on massage, and I thought, Wow, this is really interesting. I would love to have this skill in my hands because I could take it anywhere.
1: If you know someone who's considering a career in massage therapy, please share the show with them. Or if you are considering a career in massage therapy, make sure you're following us on your podcast app of choice you do not wanna miss future episodes. Choosing a Massage School is sponsored by East West College of the Healing Arts in Portland, Oregon. East West College has been successfully educating massage therapists in a safe, supportive, and professional environment since 1972. To learn more about East West, visit eastwestcollege.edu. The show was created in partnership with Come Alive Creative. The show was produced by Maggie Fisher and edited by Isidore Nieves. I'm your host, Jeff Large, thanks for
0: listening.